Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Internet Marketing. to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, we'd like to encourage anyone looking for help with their digital marketing to get in touch with Site Visibility. Whether you have a burning digital marketing question or you're looking for an agency to work with, they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call, plus four four one two seven three seven three three four three three, or fill out the form at sitevisibility.co.uk slash contact. Alternatively, you can talk to either Scott or Sean via the live chat function on the site. They'd be happy to help. Now, today I'm joined by Warren Knight, hip-hop dancer, entrepreneur, speaker, trainer, author, and many other things. How are you doing, Warren? I'm very well, thank you very much, Andy. How are you? I'm uh, very well. I'm, I'm particularly well because the uh, the weather is nice at the moment here in sunny Brighton. It is, in fact, sunny, and I think spring or even summer might have started, at least for the weekend. That could be our summer. But you're in London, aren't you? I lived in London for 25 years, yes. but I just very recently moved out of London. So um, it, was, it was a big decision to want to leave the, you know, the big city. But it was something that um, because my life had changed and shifted slightly, it was you know, a lifestyle choice that uh, I decided to make. Yes, I know those sort of choices. We were in London and then we came to Brighton. But anyway, uh, less, less about the weather and, and geographical locations. Tell us about you. How does a hip hop dancer become an entrepreneur and a sort of digital <laughs> business uh, guru? Well, I think, um, I, you know, that word entrepreneurialism, I, I don't think was around so much when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And I didn't think I realised what I was doing at the time. You know, we used to just grab a piece of lino, grab our massive stereo and our huge batteries and just disappear down to London on the train. Uh, we used to go to Hyde Park and that was it. You know, we were just there dancing on a Saturday afternoon, people watching, um, you know, that term battling is quite strange now, but like, you know, showing what you can do compared to what somebody else can do and everybody enjoying the whole atmosphere of it. And then just taking that that energy and that fun and quite funny actually that you're um, now down in Brighton because it was Brighton where I first got noticed it was the oh. uh, what's that club that was under the arches back in 87 oh i don't know it could there's loads oh. of clubs there now it could be one of yeah. zillions 
Yeah, I can't remember what the name of it was then. But um, friends and I were down there. We drove down to Brighton kind of for the weekend and went to the club. And, and all of a sudden, these guys got up on stage and started doing all this hip-hop dancing. And they were all together. And it was amazing what they were doing. Like, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's battle those guys when they get off the stage. You know, show them what we can do. And all of a sudden, it turned out to be, yeah, you guys are quite good. And you're white. Um, come, <laughs> come and join us. You know, how would you like to travel around the UK with us and, and do what we all love? And I was like, what? you're going to pay me to do what I love and I stay in hotels and I'm in a different city every weekend. Why wouldn't I want to do that? So, yeah, so that's really kind of um, how it started. Then it was, uh, then I got into the whole illegal rave scene. Um, So, yeah, so it was just uh, getting paid to dance on stage for people like the Prodigy and Shader Rhythm, you know, all of these illegal raves. And it was just the whole buzz (laughs) of waiting for the phone call. Where is it? Where we know where we off to. Um, I'll text you the venue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but do, do you know what? And now he's a good friend of mine, but he used to put on uh, the illegal raves then. And he used to make, I'd probably say, 40, 50% of his profit of those illegal raves out of making telephone calls. Because in those days, we had our big brick, you know, kind of NEC mobile phone. Oh, yeah. And to receive a phone call would cost you as much as to send, a, you know, to, to make a phone call. So he used to make his money by calling people and telling them where the rave was. It was like a genius. <laughs> So, um, yeah, and then I just got to know all the DJs and then started running clubs. So I was running Drum and Brace Club in Covent Garden, you know, with some now global DJs um, who were just sort of starting out at that time. So, yeah, it just kind of went from the love of hip hop music to dancing and then to getting paid to do what I do, knowing DJ, singing niche in the market and going, oh, there's no Drum and Bass Club on a Sunday. People love to keep, you know, kind of clubbing in those days. They still probably do now. I wouldn't know anything about that anymore. But, um, yeah, so just saw a niche, opened up Drum and Bass Club and, you know, within two or three months, we would just ram packed every single Sunday, which was great. And I was what, 21, 22 then? Yeah. I'm um, running drum and bass club. So, yeah. That's fantastic. So, you, I mean, because you, you then went on to run quite a few businesses. And now, of course, mm. you do, you've, you've got a blog, you do, you're on the speaking circuit talking about digital businesses. I'm just wondering, sort of on that journey, and yeah, starting with the music, the dancing, the hip hop, you must have had some sort of, a, I'll call them epiphanies, that's probably not the best mm. word, around business and online success. And I'm just wondering when those started to kick in. Tell us about those. So I think it was the dancing side was just kind of like money in my pocket. I didn't really look at it as I'm actually doing what I love and getting paid for it. Oh, I'm a professional dancer. It was actually when I started to run the club and then have security. And then the security have, had like our brand on our jackets and everything. And you start to get a regular income. Like, well, I'm paying out money and I'm taking in money yeah. and I'm left with some profit at the end. It's like, oh, actually, I'm running a real business here. Yes. Yeah. Um, so at that point then I thought actually I, I feel like I could step into the world of running a business but running you know something that's just a club at that time really wasn't enough for me so I then thought well what more could I want to do and I reached out to the Prince of Business Trust and worked with them for a six-month period wrote a whole business plan and then put together a business which was based around music and clothing which was my passion at that time yeah and that was really
actually when I, I knew, you know, when I sat down and bought my computer, didn't know what to do with it, you know, at 23 years old. Yeah. But, um, you know, Excel spreadsheet, what, what's that? Um, <laughs> but it was that point then really that I had that kind of epiphany of, of actually I'm, I'm a business person around what's going on. So, yeah, but that, that was, I think, one of them for me. And then definitely the other one was um, I started to work out of China. So I worked out of China for 11 years. I worked with global brands like Disney and, and Nickelodeon. And the epiphany for me at that point, and I was going through a bit of a personal development process around at that time, mm. was the importance of sales and the importance of sales for a business. And I decided to really focus down on that, learn from some incredible people like Brian Tracy and, and some other incredible salespeople at that time that were more ethical than not ethical. There are, you know, there are always two sides to a coin yeah. and um, really understands that importance of building relationships and building rapport with people over and above actually having a sales technique and actually just being true to who you are and, and building rapport with somebody learning that process and, and neuro-linguistic programming really helped me understand that a little bit. Oh. And, and um, uh, yeah, so that was another really big epiphany for me. And so I set myself a goal. I said, right, I want to achieve a million dollars of sales in a single month. And, you know, I set myself a date to when I wanted to achieve and I gave myself like a 90-day run-up to that, make sure I had all the kind of like my marketing and everything in place. And I achieved it, but I didn't achieve it. So it was actually, it was 33 days that I hit my million dollar oh. turnover. I know, but I still like to say a million dollars of sales in a month. Oh, I think I'm you can like, get away with that, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think, I think so. So that was another big, you know, uh, epiphany for me was just how important sales is in the whole growth of a business. And of course, you do lots of talks and lectures and business things, yeah. particularly around uh, social media marketing. I was wondering, actually, with the because we'll, we'll come on. You, you mentioned relationship marketing. We'll come on to that in a minute. But I just wanted to get your feeling on uh, sort of social media at the moment. We've had this big kerfuffle, of course, recently around Facebook and Twitter. I think yesterday mentioned a mm. data breach, and we've all yeah, we're all supposed did. to change our passwords. Yeah. Passwords. And then we've got yeah. the fake news thing and the Donald Trump thing, Mr. T thing. I mean, how do you yeah. think? social media is changing in the last few years or don't you think it's changing well i think you know a friend of mine posted to say that um his uber account got hacked and someone had just booked a you know a taxi on his uber account so i don't think data breach is specifically focused on you know social media or you know yeah. in the marketing world obviously it's something that we talk about quite a lot so it's not new you know that these things happen they do happen unfortunately mm. um how my website got hacked i wrote a whole blog about it It was a challenge of mine for a week or two with my team yeah. and um and that was very frustrating yeah. and we just have to you know go well it happens we've got to learn from it we've got to react as quick as possible and then just move on with it um so i think the actual kind of the kerfuffle and the data breach and, and that sort of stuff is something that it, it's a spike in a moment and everyone goes right that's it you know should you should I delete my Facebook page and mm. certain people were very open about you know wanting to do that but then you've really got to take a step back and go well actually why am I personally using Facebook if you want to delete your business Facebook page for that reason then that's your choice but is it about connecting with your friends and family that are traveling all around the world and that's why you want to use your personal Facebook page yeah you know, then that's different how else do you know people don't tweet about you know kind of what their friends are doing they tend to use facebook for that as a family mm. um, from that perspective i think it's just that things are going to go up and down uh, they're not going to change now you talked about um well you you alluded to um relationship marketing and it's something we hear a lot mm. about these days I'm just wondering why do you think it's so important these days and, and what do you think are some of the common mistakes businesses make in this area 
think, um, I, I, and I forgot to say right at the very beginning because we, we got kind of right into the zone of this. I love you, Andy. I love this podcast. It's one of my top three favorite podcasts oh, that I'm you. always listening to. No problem at all. My wife has asked me, well, you know, what are you doing today? And uh, I said, I'm going on one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> um, and she's like, oh, wow, that's quite amazing. So I have listened to, to a lot of your podcasts. And I think it was uh, Dave who was talking about personalization. Yeah. And uh, the, the idea of the importance of personalization. And I think with this GDPR that's kicking in, you know, very soon, um, you know, that's really made people think about their audience and think about the importance of engaging with the people that are engaging back with them. And that for me is, has been a big mindset shift for a lot of the people that I work with, um, the importance of scaling down talking to the people that actually care. And when you think about that from a digital mindset perspective, that's where then you need to start thinking about that from a social media perspective. You know, it's great to broadcast to everybody, but not everybody really cares. It's the people that that you have a great relationship with that keep coming back over and over time again, mm. that you build huge loyalty with. So, um, you know, building relationships from a marketing perspective is all about the personalization. Um, you know, knowing that that person lives in Edinburgh or knowing that that person lives in Brighton and whether that's, you know, part of the data that you keep that you've obviously uh, got approval of um, or whether that's you have the mindset to remember, go, right, yeah, Andy lives in Brighton. Great. OK, so now that's a relationship side of things. So now when we go online or chat inside of LinkedIn and, you know, pr promote the podcast, whatever it might be, there will be the small things that people go, oh, he listened he actually listened to me and remembered. Mm. And that's where having something like marketing automation is so powerful. I've gone through three different pieces of technology over the last 10 years of doing digital marketing and, you know, really understanding the importance of personalization. When you talk to a certain target market, keep talking to them in that tone of voice. Yeah. Keep giving them that information that's going to make them remember you and nurture that database. With when I do my uh, uh, professional speaking, sometimes it takes people, uh, it's a two-year life cycle. If I'm speaking to an audience of um, in the jewelry industry, for instance, it can take those guys two years of nurturing to actually go, I now need to make the next step in my business career of digital marketing. I've now got the time and the wants and the money to do that. Yeah. I, I need to go be working with Warren. So I've got this two-year cycle. And if I don't nurture them through that process, which is where email marketing is so powerful um, to understand that, um, you lose them and they go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned automation there, and I was just wondering about artificial intelligence AI, because it's something which is in the media and the news a lot at the moment. You've got people like Elon mm -hmm. Musk who say, oh, it's really dangerous. And then you've got people like Bill Gates who I can't quite work out whether he loves it or he hates it. Sometimes he says it's really good and sometimes he says, oh, no, it's really dangerous. And then, um, you know, Stephen Hawking that was warning us about it. I know you've got some interesting thoughts on AI. I wonder if you could mm -hmm. share those with us. I think, you know, that word artificial in intelligence is something that to the everyday person, if you like, just thinks about movies and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I've now got my, my lawnmower, you know, can just go and mow my lawn for me. You know, for me, it really comes down to, you know, it, it is machine learning. Mm. And I think, you know, in the world of marketing, the word artificial intelligence, you know, we use it as a buzzword, if you like, but it is about machine learning. And I think, you know, there's, there's, there's two ways to really look at this. And I, I've been playing with it as a marketeer, um, you know, primarily with chatbots and, and conversations with people. But 
2018 is the year of the buzzword for artificial intelligence. Yeah. And, you know, if we go back to, you know, it, it, this is the year of video marketing. This is the year of video marketing. Every year seems to be the year of video marketing. Yeah. Um, but but this year it has been all about, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I don't think, you know, as, as SMEs or even as, you know, sort of corporate businesses, I've heard a lot of huge mistakes that big brands have made by integrating machine learning into their um, their customer service, if you like, mm. and how it switched people off because, you know, they want a human being behind that and, you know, they want to ask a question. The machine learning hasn't quite got to understand how to reply to that particular question so it gives you something that's not relevant. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of learning still to be had around all of that and uh, I think it's Google talks about the 70-20-10 rule where they take 10% of their marketing budget and just go and try something. Yes. So take a look at that. Play around with some chatbots. Think about, you know, what technology you can use from a machine learning perspective. Don't have it as a focus of that's what you're going to achieve within your business and set massive KPIs around it. Have some fun with it. You know, learn, make mistakes, trip over, pick yourself up again, see what other people are doing with it. And then really think about whether or not it's going to be an integral part of your marketing strategy. Now, we've talked about quite a few things in this show so far. Here's the tricky bit. If you could pick, I don't know, two, maybe three top tips for our listeners today from all your massive experience, what would it be? What would they be? I think the the importance of understanding um, what a very good mentor of mine uh, gave to me and uh, the terminology of the customer acquisition journey. And so when you look at um, how to map out what a customer does to actually come to the point of being a visitor, then being a prospect, and then being a customer. That part for me is really key. Mm. And the, the big part that I've noticed with uh, with businesses is, as I mentioned, that nurturing phase. We all go out there and we go, right, I've got to get more traffic. I've got to do this. I've got to do it. I've got to you know, get more people to know about me as a brand and you know, amplify you know, what your brand does. And that's all great and wonderful. But we don't own any of those people inside of Facebook and, and LinkedIn. We don't own them. So what we need to do is take them out of that social space and bring them into our environment where we can actually nurture that database to capture those details and make that person a, become a prospect mm. um, of ours and then really drill down and add value to that person in that more closed environment. Um, so take people over to a closed Facebook group, you know, who are your prospects, ask them to come and join you over there, not an open page, but a place where you can really get to know that person and, and, and add value to them. Mm. So, um, you know, understand that customer acquisition journey, go through a bit of um, user journey mapping, you know, with your customers, both from an online to an offline perspective. Um, is is one thing that I'll really ask you know the, the audience to think about. Yeah. Um, I think the other one for me um, would be that there's a lot of noise around paid advertising, especially with what's happening with Facebook and its algorithm. Yeah. And you've had some great guests talking specifically ar around Facebook and uh, the organic reach. And, you know, now we're having to do some paid advertising. There's a lot of noise around that at the moment. And I think with what I've gone through within my within my business and, and I even had this conversation uh, with my team around the costs of advertising, if I go back. 12 months i was paying 
18 to 35 pence for a remarketing, um, you know, click. I, I looked at my recent campaign that's gone up to one pound 57. Yeah. So, and, but when I look at actually talking to my audience through custom audience marketing in Facebook, you know, that price has dropped. So things are really turning themselves upside down. But what I will say is, you know, I, I've now stopped any paid advertising inside of Google because it just doesn't convert for me. Yeah. So, with paid advertising, you know, it's okay to say no to it and don't feel bad about not being on Google and advertising or not, you know, not doing, um, you know, marketing inside of Facebook. There are other ways to spend a small amount of money like on remarketing, like on custom audience that might get you a better return on your investment. So it's okay to say no to, to paid advertising. Well, Warren, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, how can our listeners find out more about you, your books, because you're an author as well, aren't you? Your talks, etc.? Yeah, um, you can go over to my uh, Warren Knight website, so warrenknight.co.uk, and or come and join me on Twitter um, at Warren Knight. I actually had to go; it took me about six years to steal that name from somebody else. I had to go and get a trademark, so yeah. I now own at Warren Knight. Or come and join me on LinkedIn. Um, any of those three places, um, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Well, thanks, Warren. And thanks for listening, everyone. The show notes are at the usual place, sitevisibility.co.uk slash podcast. Please leave us a review if you're enjoying the show, because that really helps. Um, questions and suggestions to uh, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. We have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. That's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Warren. Why, thank you very much, Andy. Lovely. It's a real pleasure to be on here today, so thank you. Absolute pleasure, Warren. Thanks. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.